Hello and welcome to our podcast. I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Gracie. And it's just a podcast where we talk about uh, feminism, but also movies. And we put the movies to the feminist and inclusive tests. Yes. And we are starting off our Pride Month and looking at LGBTQA plus representation in film. We only have time to do four, but I think this is going to be like uh, a yearly tradition. Every every June we will do this. Just yeah. like every February, we will definitely do Black History Month. Yeah. Because representation matters. is very, very minimal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so the first movie that uh, we've decided to do is uh, is one that impacted um, a lot of things during when it came out, and that was uh, 2005's Brokeback Mountain. Um, it was yeah, a- and 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 before we get into talking about this movie, I just want to remind everyone that Crash. That shit stain of a Best Picture winner beat this movie for Best best Picture. Well, we know why it won, because, um... <laughs> honestly, like, it makes me so mad now that I think about it. Because, first of all, I did not see this movie until today when I watched it. Um, so, like, I, I knew... I had never seen... Yeah, I had never seen it all the way through either until this past week. Like, I knew... I knew that it was a good movie because people were like really talking about it. But then there was also the fact that people were also making big fucking jokes about it during the uh, when it came out because it was like, oh, what? Gay cowboys. Haha, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> they didn't fucking watch it. No, they obviously did not watch this movie. It was a fucking beautiful love story, a very complex, beautiful love story. And like, oh, my fucking God, <laughs> like I was torn at the end. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll go through the statistics real quick. Um, uh, it had a budget of $14 million and it had a box office of $83 million U.S. and $178 million worldwide. So it did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast was Heath Ledger, who played Enos Del Mar. He's known for movies like Dark Knight, 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal um, played Jack Twist, and he's been in movies like Nightcrawler and Love and Other Drugs. And Prince Michelle... of... <laughs> and the Prince of Persia. Oh, I'm sorry. oh and uh, Bubble Boy. Oh my god, yeah, he was in Bubble Boy. <laughs> but... I think that was his first movie role. It was... Oh, it's a fucking awful movie. Oh, I've seen like, that that's movie. That's not even a guilty pleasure movie. That movie's just awful. It's so funny because I've seen that movie way too many times, and that's because it was on the movie network. Like I said, you know, before in previous podcasts, it was just one of those movies that was always playing. So I've probably seen it like at least five times, if not more, just, you know, just because. Um, He was also in 20... No, he wasn't in 2012. He was in that other one where, he like... He was in The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I actually Baby love that movie. Jake Gyllenhaal. I love him. I love Emmy Rossum, too, and they're kind of like an item in that movie. Um, then we have Michelle Williams. Uh, she plays Alma. She's been in movies like Blue Valentine. She was recently in The Greatest Showman, which is a movie about a trash person. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get into that. We're not. Okay. 
I'm almost convinced that when we do Bad Movie Month, we're going to do that one. Mm, but that's the thing, though. People actually kind of liked that movie. The reason why we're mad at <sighs> Fuck, it man. is because the soundtrack we're... is beautiful. Yeah, but the reason why we're mad at it is because we love history and we know that P.T. Bardem is fucking trash. Yeah, they romanticized a really horrible person. He was a piece of actual trash, and um, the the shit that he had done to people and, like, animals and, like, just in general, fuck P.T. Barnum. Like, fuck <laughs> him. He can go straight yeah. to the fucking hells. Right. All um, seven of them. So. And uh, it also starred Anne Hathaway, who was in... Love and Other Drugs with Jake Gyllenhaal, um, where they also played a couple. Oh, okay. Wait, when did um, when did Love and Other Drugs come out? God, I don't remember. It was before 2010, I think. Uh, well, yeah, because it was that year where like there was two movies that came out, and one was Love and Other Drugs, and then there was another movie that was like pretty much the same because that's what studios do sometimes. They like yeah, well, Love and Other Drugs was like the girl. He was a farmer, pharmaceutical salesman, and she was a girl that had Parkinson's. Oh, early onset Parkinson's. Yeah, um, it's it's a pretty fucking problematic movie, but um. It was kind of like her first real adult role, which is funny because I have here uh, Princess Diaries as her other thing besides Les Mis and, you know, uh, Devil Wears Prada. Funny story about this movie. When Anne Hathaway auditioned for the part of Loreen, um, she was on the same lot. On the same lot as the auditions was uh, the Universal lot, and that's where they were filming Princess Diaries 2. So the casting director was like, or her agent was like very apologetic to Ang Lee and the casting directors because she had to show up in full Princess Diaries makeup and costume for her audition as Loreen. <laughs> Maybe that's why she has so much makeup in the movie, right? Because they were like, oh. You have to look older because like she was 22. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was really young. Yeah. Like, she was still a baby in her career when this movie came well, out. Like, this is... Well, kind of, because, like, um, Princess Diaries came out in 2001, right? And that yeah. was her first role. Like, her yeah, first she had role. only done Princess Diaries and Ella Enchanted before she did this movie. But you know what? She still got this role. And it basically started her adult film career, like, outside of the Disney princess stuff. Um, you know, and then another person who was, uh, in this movie is, um, uh, okay, uh, Anna Ferris. Yep, she, uh, she played that one girl with the weird name. She's only in it a, a second. Kate Mara was in this movie. Was she um, the one who was talking a lot? Yes. Is that her? Oh, yeah, I could, I, you know what? She I couldn't was point, young, too. I couldn't pinpoint her, though, while I was watching it. Uh, but the the guy who played her husband, he looks familiar, too. I didn't write his name down. Um, Randy mm. Quaid was in this movie. Maybe that was um, him. No, Randy no, the, Quaid was the asshole. At the beginning? Yeah. Uh, okay. And Randy Quaid's an asshole in real life, so. Oh, um, I know who it was. It was Dan David Harbour, and he's in Stranger Things right now. 
So yeah, I haven't watched Stranger Things. Yeah, he plays like um, the police chief in uh, in Stranger Things. Oh well, Kate Mara is known for uh, House of Cards. She played a reporter the first couple of seasons before she was pushed in front of a train. Oops, was that a spoiler? Oh well, it's it's been out for four years. Um, and then uh, the Direct- other one. Sorry, the oh. other person who was in this movie uh, was Linda uh, Cardelli, Della, Dilly, whatever. Oh, did she play the waitress? Uh, yeah, she's, um, she was in name. Freaks and Geeks, and she's been in, like, ER. She was Velma uh, in Scooby-Doo, in the Scooby-Doo movies. I knew she looked familiar, um, but I could not place her face. She was in I Mad was like, Man. God. She She's been in a few things, but, yeah, she's, um secondary character stuff except for velma well yeah but she well she was in like avengers too um and uh she's done a lot of uh voice roles like regular show um she has the voice for that yeah uh gravity falls but like the thing i knew her from was freaks and geeks um which funny enough when she was playing uh, in Freaks and Geeks, right? She was supposed to play like a 17 year old girl. She was actually 24 at the time, right? And then the Not person, surprising. yeah, and then the person <laughs> playing her younger brother was um was actually 14, so like a full 10 years apart. Um, so uh, it was directed by Ang Lee. Uh, he did Sense and Sensibility and Life of Pi. One of the things about Sense and Sensibility was is he swore. He would never, ever, ever use sheep in a film again. <laughs> because he hated those fuckers. <laughs> but then... Um, um, he well, also did... he ate that humble pie. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, he's done other movies too, though, right? Oh, God. Ang Lee is considered one of the best directors in Hollywood. So he's he's got a few notches under his belt. Um but oh I yeah, like he did crouching. The big one though that got him out of, um, like from, uh, like the mainstream was uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. That was like a big movie when it came out. I vaguely yeah. remember. Um. All right. Um. So it was based on a short story by Annie Prolix. Prowl. I don't know how to say her name. It's P R O. U-L-X. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the screenplay was by Larry McCurdy and Diana Osana, who worked on Terms of Endearment and Streets of Loretto together. So they know how to write um, a tearjerker. <laughs> yeah. Terms of Endearment is a tearjerker. It's like up there with Steel Magnolias as far as like, you know, 80s crime river chick flicks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, a couple of little trivia tidbits. Um, it made over half a million dollars on its five theater limited release opening weekend, making it the highest per screen ghost for any gross for any non animated film. It yeah. made about a hundred thousand dollars per theater. Wow! In opening weekend, because well, there were only five of them. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it was, uh, I don't want to say it was, like, an indie film, but, like, it was, uh, it it was one of those movies that when it first came out, people weren't really, they didn't know that it came out. It was a sleeper. Yeah, um, but it made, um, in total, 
it made a hundred and seventy-eight million dollars from its mm-hmm. fourteen I million dollars. I, I said that. <laughs> oh, I wasn't listening. Sorry. Oh, Sorry um, about it. But uh, it was heavily advertised in a lot of private theaters, but like privately owned theaters. But then people found out what some of the content was, and some private theaters actually pulled it even after they had heavily um, advertised it. Well, because, you know, when they were, like, they think it's, like, (laughs) well, like. They thought it was, like, a buddy movie about two cowboys. Yeah. And then it's not a buddy movie. It's a love story between two cowboys. And they're, like, oh, gay cowboys? Not in my Christian theater. Yikes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It also won three Academy Awards, um, one of them Best Director, uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Original Score. And it did not win Best best Picture, and it should have. Yeah, watching it only furthers my hatred of Crash. (laughs) Yeah. Um, George Clooney actually beat out Heath Ledger for the Best Actor. Uh, movie. He got nominated for Syriana. Nobody remembers Syriana, okay, George? Nobody remembers. You've, you've got two Oscars. This one should have went to Heath. <laughs> I mean, he eventually... You know what, though? Heath Ledger did eventually get his Oscar, because that's what happens. At, well, this is what happens, right? Is some years, when they don't win Oscars, um they like look back at it and they go, oh, okay, did this person like, this person didn't win this Oscar for this movie, but we're going to give them for like this other movie because they deserve an Oscar. And I mean, he got it for Batman, but we all know that he should have fucking got it for this one. Exactly. And it's a real shame too that Heath Ledger died so young because he was really one of the most promising, diverse, like, character actors in Hollywood um he had such range and it really is depressing when you watch this movie knowing that he you know he he's not around anymore I mean and uh he actually had a baby with uh Michelle Williams who plays his on-screen wife um his I think she's his only daughter god she's a teenager now oh yeah I you know what? I totally forgot that in real life, like, did they meet on this film? I believe so, yes. Wow. That is, yeah. that's kind of awesome. I mean. Yeah, they they never got married. They were together for a few years. They well, they, yeah, because they, they got, they uh, were together uh, starting and, 2004, which they would have been filming this movie. Yeah. So um, they weren't together too long. He was in another relationship when he died. Yeah, because it was only till two thousand and seven, and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, he died in two thousand and eight, uh, which is fucking tragic. Yeah. My God, uh, I can't believe it's been, it's been ten, 10 years. years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> Like we both kind of came to that conclusion at the same time. Jesus, he would have been 30, 37? Yeah. 38? Yeah, he would have been uh, 38. He would That's have been 38 insane. this year. I'm going to be 28 in two years, and it seems crazy to me. I, like, that... loved... 
that's the thing though like i loved him and it was really sad that his last movie was the imaginarium of dr paralysis or whatever parnassus whatever it was a fucking awful it was like it was a fever dream movie and then he had only filmed like half of it and they'd had to like put in other people to do it but he was doing that movie for his kid oh okay yeah really i didn't know that Mm -hmm. um the best movie he was ever in though Ten Things I Hate About You and A Knight's Tale. Yeah. Oh my god, I'll fucking love A Knight's Tale. (laughs) I love it so much. Um, We're not going to talk about that, though. Sorry. That's a happy thought, thinking about that movie. No, we're going to get depressed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, And uh, we're going to start talking about this movie. (sighs) Um, So it opens with them pulling up to a trailer, and uh, they are both looking for work. Now, there's this one part at the beginning where they kind of awkwardly meet, and Jake Gyllenhaal's character kind of does that weird lean against the side of the truck, where his, like, arms are spread out and his legs are really far apart, but he's also leaning to the side. That is, like, what every single Southern boy does if they have a truck. (laughs) Really? Yes, it's a weird stance, and it's, like, something I have only ever seen Southern men do. I don't know why. It's just a weird quirk. So good on Jake Gyllenhaal. Also, fun fact, um, they had to do training for this movie, and they thought Jake Gyllenhaal was just too pretty. (laughs) Really? (laughs) He had to rough up a little bit. And one of my notes was, he's still too pretty. (laughs) It's true. He is a very pretty... Like, he's a pretty man. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. They had to... He did so well, so I don't know. Um, Yeah, so he... They're hired to uh, herd uh, this guy's sheep um, through the summer in uh, Mm -hmm. the mountains of Wyoming and um, you know uh, after it kind of like there's a lot of you know scenes of like them herding sheep and then there's like the pastoral well yeah and then there was the thing where like um, they were talking about food and getting food and then there's like you know the attack with the bear or whatever sort of Mm -hmm. yeah see the first like 20 minutes of this movie is basically like you see snippets of them doing stuff together getting to know one another getting over that awkwardness of strangers and becoming friends mm-hmm. um and uh basically getting to know one another they start cutting up with each other and making jokes and shit like the, the one of the mules steps on the harmonica and it causes it to go flat and like and this is like, Jesus, would you shut the fuck up with that harmonica? It sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it just kind of, um, it develops. And then after a night of heavy drinking, Jack makes a pass at Ennis, um, who, you know, initially hesitates his, you know, Jack's advant- uh, advances. Yeah. Um, and then they end up having sex. Yeah, and it is... It, it it's it's rough. Um, first of all, spit is not good lubricant. Yeah. <laughs> like, just letting you guys know, um, or anyone. That is I don't think they had that... K. Honestly, I don't think they had KY jelly out there. Okay, girl. Like, 
I understand that. <laughs> but for your safety, they had no baby realize oil. This is for anyone that is involved in that kind of stuff. Even if you're straight, I don't care. Please do not use spit as lubricant, okay? We got stuff now that you can use. You know, be nice to your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, okay? But sometimes you just, you know, you need it rough and hard. No, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not a porno, kids. That's not how it works. Oh, God. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, like, after they wake up, Ennis just, like, freezes. And when he realizes what he's done and then he, you know, goes goes out to, um, you know, herd the sheep. And there's a dead sheep. And, you know, so he's feeling guilty because he's done that. And then, you know, they they eventually, uh, you know, come to realize that, like, you know, they like each other. Well, yeah, because, like, at first or whatever, Ennis just basically says, like, like, I'm not I'm not a queer. So this is a one time only and, thing, like, just yeah, to get my fucking Jack's jollies like, I'm off. I'm not a queer either. They gay or at least bisexual. Yeah, their lives. I have but... to. I have to wonder though, because see, it's complicated. Like, okay, well, you have to think about it in the 1960s, right? Uh, at this point, I don't know when the law changed, but I'm pretty sure gay sex is still is like illegal. It's considered. Honey, disgusting. there are still states where sodomy is illegal. Oh, girl, that is fucking mm-hmm. sad. Um, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a time where this is, like, this is what weird people did. This is what, like, oh, fucking queers. Like, that was the mentality of, like, ew, gross. Anything to do with gay sex, that's against the Bible. That's against, you know, the laws of nature. It's against everything that you've ever been told. Um, So that is the idea. And then... um. Okay, we'll, like, talk about that part, like, later on. But, you know, they're up in the mountains and they actually develop, like, a pretty passionate sexual and emotional relationship with one another. Yeah, like, you know, after they come to grips with what they've done, Enos has the harder time accepting it. And we actually get into that later on, why he has such a harder time accepting it, Um. Jack pretty much realizes that he is completely homosexual. Um, And he embraces it a lot quicker than Enos does. And that's because he wasn't exposed to the kind of shit Enos was exposed to when he was younger, which, again, we'll get into when we get to it in the movie. Um, But, you know, like, they do eventually create, you know, a tender, playful almost kind of relationship and then Johnny McJackass their boss comes down and sees them like roughhousing half naked uh, you know and he basically figures out what the hell's going on which oh, come, come by on, the way boy, boys can her boys will be boys okay they were just have a little bit of fun nothing gay about a, that there's a lot of like um, rumors that this this wasn't actually that taboo of a thing 
you know, like, it probably wasn't that uncommon for men who were alone together for months on end, uh, herding sheep or cattle or whatever, to be involved in these kind of relationships. But, of course, they would never, ever, you know, say it. Because, well, this you know, is a, this is something that humans they actually... are social creatures. They have a desire for you know contact. Well, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, though, like in this, uh, it definitely has happened, like in the past, and it was it was just something. Uh, what do they call it? it? Well, yeah, you don't talk about it. The down low, they you know, with um, uh, I believe uh, African American communities. That's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the just the idea that you have a buddy who you know uh, is a little bit more than uh, than just a friend, and it also goes. Uh, it's the same with you know women. There was always the idea of the Boston marriage, right? Yeah, yeah. That that's an interesting concept to me. I wasn't introduced to that um, until I watched a Deadly Women episode or something yeah. on. Uh, international or investigation discovery and they talked about Boston marriages and I was like oh that's what that is oh cool that's that's interesting well well, that's the thing there was there was women who would live together and they'd be like oh we're sisters or whatever right but really they were lovers they just could get away with saying like oh you know we're just we're just two sisters living together we're just two spinster women who are really good friends, you know, and nobody would bat an eye at two women living together, you know. But it was different with uh, with men um, living together out on, for example, out on a ranch or whatever. Um, yeah. And it, but that's the thing. A lot of that um, a lot of that was happening, uh, especially during like the old, you know, the old West. Right. Because they could fucking get away with it. Because they would live. Yeah, out there was in nobody. The... There was nobody around. Who was going to tell on you? you yeah. Know? Well, was it? There was a story that I heard in um, another podcast. Uh, stuff you never like. Uh... Stuff you didn't learn in history class. Yeah. So they or were something. talking about um, uh, a transgendered uh, man who uh, w- like had a marriage and uh, like a whole life um, with his wife. And originally, um, he had been a woman. We're like, yeah, yeah. but he lived his life as a man. And uh, his wife was, you know, fine with that. And uh, they, I I don't remember what happened to this particular person, but um, I probably should look that up. I listened to yeah. it like, a long time ago. So I mean, it's not the first time that a transgender person was involved in a relationship with someone that was the opposite sex of their identity. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's just something that wasn't talked about. If that was a thing, you know. Yeah. Again, this is this was definitely don't ask, don't tell, and it was super dangerous. Even if. I mean, there are horror stories of women being murdered because they were lesbians. I mean, I watched one documentary series of this woman that was involved in a lesbian relationship, and there was a guy that knew that and went to her apartment 
and raped her with a broomstick and killed her. And he left the broom in her when the cops found her. Oh. It was... Yeah, I know. It's fucking horrific. But, I mean, like, that's the kind of shit that was going on. That, that happened in the 50s or 60s. I can't exactly remember where. I, can't, I couldn't even tell you the victim's name. It's been a while since I watched that. But it, it was, like, that's the kind of shit that LGBTQA people were dealing with back then. And guess what? That shit still happens. It still happens. It's just, it's not as prominent because we are more accepting, more people are accepting, but this is something that could happen that is still a danger, and it's... Yeah, which which is why I hate the fact that this movie is considered a fucking joke to a lot of people. I hate that it's mocked, you know, oh, two gay cowboys, when... Oh my god, this the fucking shit that happens in this movie, I literally sobbed. And it wasn't because, you know, I was particularly attached to characters, but because I could see how even 30 years later, we're still having the same problems. 40 years later. Well, this is, um, so... This is something that, um, so I live in a very small community, um, in Northern Alberta, right? And, um, I think that it's harder, it's easier for bisexual women to, you know, like, come out as bisexual, but it's not as easy for men who are bisexual to come out as bisexual, well, the reason it's easier for women to come out as bisexual is because lesbians are fetished, fetishized. Yeah. And so is bisexualism in a woman. Well, exactly, because like, we're all a bunch of fucking whores that just uh, want right. to go and fuck around with everybody. Sorry, I like... Yeah. It makes me yeah. so fucking mad. So, um, yeah, by the way, if you didn't realize it, um, I am bisexual. I've known for many years, uh, since I was 12 years old. When I told my mom and she freaked the fuck out and uh, she pretended pretty much for many years that it wasn't actually true, that I was just trying to get attention. And then I finally told her again last year and she was very surprised that, oh, my God, I really was a faggot. Um, And that's just because my we were having a conversation and my my aunt was just like, said something about my mom's faggot children, right? Now, my brother's not gay, but, you know, uh, she's said awful things about him being gay. Um, it's a terrible slur, by the yeah. way. And, um, yeah, and <laughs> and she, like, when my mom was telling me this, I'm like, well, she's not wrong. And my mom was like, what? And I was like, what? And, like, that's how I came out to my mom for the second time even though my mom has kind of known, but the actual person who's more accepting of this, like my parents aren't actually very accepting, but my dad's a little bit more accepting than my mother is. And it just fucking hurts. Yeah. Sorry. You're, you're fine. You're fine. 
it's Listen, just it's so funny. I mean and it's not just it's not just you like when I was growing up I had questions about myself because I mean um on a personal level I am 26 years old I've never been in a real relationship before uh you know I've I've dated two guys my entire life one of them I actually had intense chemistry with but the other one I don't and so part of me wonders um, if it's an issue with me, I have a lot of uh, personal baggage <laughs> as far as intimacy issues are concerned and stuff like that. Um, but I also wonder if part of my religious upbringing is the reason that I have such a hard time with accepting the fact that, you know, because I, I mean, I don't know exactly what I am. And I'm 26 years old. You'd think by now I'd have an idea. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, I've questioned. I It might Emma. be it might be just because, you know, um, you might be demisexual, which just means that you need to have, like, an intense connection with somebody before you want to have a sexual relationship with them. Yeah. Because I know you're not that. asexual. No, I don't think I'm asexual either. <laughs> but I mean, that's something that's crossed my mind because I had, especially with my first boyfriend, because like he and I dated for God, six or eight months. He was and a piece of shit. So. I <laughs> sorry, I sorry about it. I you've actually met that one, yeah. um, but like I never actually felt any chemistry with him. And I thought it was just me. You know, I was like, well, maybe. You know, and I have friends that are asexual, I have friends that are trans, I have uh, friends that are pansexual. I mean, okay, I grew up very conservative, very uh, religious. Um, obviously, I shirked all that as I got older. But I mean, you know, growing up that conservative, that religious, like, I never really explored that side like some of my friends who had more freedom to do that you know, you know what it is um, though gracie that shit doesn't what? go away like religion and being like raised a certain way like just it doesn't go away no matter what no, it like doesn't. you could change it's your beliefs it's ingrained in me <laughs> yeah that because that's how it's i feel like... about catholicism like i was raised roman catholic and that shit has not gone away like there's times where you know they're talking about you know stories with like history and like i'm rooting for the fucking catholics like what the <laughs> fuck Ashlyn? i'm the worst catholic ever and i'm going yeah go catholics not like, to mention not to mention i've gone back and forth on my faith and you know uh like, I consider myself a Christian, but there was a long period of time where I was, like, straight, like, atheist. And even now, as a Christian, I'm not considered a very good one because I have questions. And, you know, the whole point of religion is you have to have faith. Um, you know, but I also think it's right to ask questions. I'm not going to blindly believe in anything, <laughs> which, which doesn't fit well because like evangelical Christianity, which was what I was raised in, which is like Mike Pence version Christianity. Like Sweet that's the Jesus. shit I was raised up in. I mean, I, I'm scared to death that there's a hell. And it's because they teach you that shit. <laughs> like I grew up in a hellfire and brimstone church. You know, if you don't live right, you're going to hell. And that fear still sticks with me. So 
even though part of me thinks, well, maybe I'm agnostic, you know, I like, I believe in a higher power, that kind of thing, like, part of me is like, boy, I hope I'm not wrong, because <laughs> I don't want to burn in hell for eternity. <laughs> I where laugh, that, because, where, you know. Where that's, like, when you say that, I, um, I look at this, yeah. and I go, like, I... The idea of hell to me, like, doesn't scare me because I don't actually think it's true. I think right now, like, I think right now this is the hell. I think this is hell. This is what I, like, it sounds, I don't know if it sounds ridiculous, but, like, life (laughs) fucking sucks, okay? And and, and the life of these people in this movie fucking sucks. If this wasn't hell on earth for these characters, I don't know what was. Yeah, so I like to think that actual hell is is like this is hell. Like we are living the hell right now and if you're a good person with dealing with this shit, then like I don't even know if that's fucking true, right? But like fuck nobody fucking knows, right? Okay. Um well a little off topic. There are these things called Jack Chick tracks, okay? Okay. My church had a shit ton of them. Oh my god, were those the the comics? Yeah. There was this one chick tract I read when I was like six or seven years old. And it was about these two missionaries who were on their way to do good work. Um, And then this like murderer or something. Um, And... The murderer was able to get into heaven while the two missionaries were not because even though they did good work, they didn't spread God's word to the people they helped. Therefore, they were going to hell. And the murderer who just happened to say, Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins five seconds before, before the plane crashed, got to go to heaven. That's some toxic shit. Like I tell you, I I was raised on some toxic level oh my Christianity. God. Like <laughs> as my fucking hell girl. God, no wonder. <laughs> Holy shit. Do you shit. understand why I have such an unreasonable fear of the afterlife? Like this shit was put in my head when I was four. <laughs> oh my God, that's horrifying. <laughs> because like I remember um the only thing I know about Jack Chick is he did like this one about um, Dungeons and Dragons and how it was so yes. fucking evil. And it's fucking hilarious. That one is fucking hilarious, by the way. Now, it wasn't when I read it. Like, I seriously thought Dungeons and Dragons was like magical occult shit. Were you allowed to wear, <laughs> watch, uh, read Harry Potter? Um, no, no, actually, I was not. Like, my mom let me. Um, but my church was very solidly against it because it was witchcraft, which we are thinking of doing Christian movie months later on this year. And I um, wait. If, if we do Christian movie month, we are definitely going to watch Jesus camp because that movie is a documentary about a camp where evangelical um, people send their children. And I went to a camp just like that one in the movie. So, um, yeah. so yeah, Aisling we should get a glimpse I, when we watch that. Aisling's gonna get a glimpse of my life. Um, <laughs> okay, so child. so by the way, <laughs> we have 
We have we should strained... probably get back to this movie. Yeah, we have strained very <laughs> off topic at this point. So um, we are going to actually get back on topic. So, um, so what ends up happening is uh, they um, part... have to bring the sheep down early. Well, yeah, they have to bring the sheep down early, and then they, uh, you know, uh, they eventually part ways. And, uh, and yeah, as- and th- that was that that scene between them was pretty fucking rough. Like they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, the fucking shit out of each other. This is this is where it's so complicated to me because they were very violent with each other a lot. Enos was a very violent man. He had a terrible temper. Yeah, you could see that like in different parts, but um. So they part ways, and then uh, Enos, he um, marries his longtime fiance Alma Beers, and uh, the two of them have um, two daughters together. Uh, Jack returns uh, the next summer seeking work, but, like, the old guy who had seen Jack and Ennis, you know, on the mountain refuses to rehire him, right? So Basically, he was a homophobic piece of shit. Yes, because he knew, and he's like, we don't. He was want also your played by Randy here. Quaid, who's actually crazy in real life. So fucking Randy Quaid is next level shit. Like Roseanne, all the conspiracy theorists, ten hat wearers. Yeah, something um, wrong with the both of them. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Jack ends up moving to Texas. Um, it kind of just shows Going like snippets of their well yeah they sh- it shows like snippets of their life together or like not together but like apart apart um you know where he like uh Ennis has you know his his family that uh kind of comes together or whatever right and then uh Jack again goes to Texas he meets Marys and has a son with um another rodeo rider um now there is there is a scene in these little snippets that I think um, was overlooked, and that was when Jack—you know—Jack is again very more—he's more open about his sexuality, even though he still has to be closeted. I mean, he actually tries and puts the moves on a guy that was working with him in the rodeo circuit. Yeah, like um, a rodeo. They were clown. at a bar, and he was the rodeo clown, but he wasn't in his makeup anymore. And you know, Jack tries to buy him a drink, and the guy figures out that Jack is basically hitting on him, and then he goes over and talks to his buddies and gets creeped out and shit. And it's just like, you know, like, yeah. and it was dangerous for Jack to do that, and he realized that. But again, Jack had never really been exposed to the violence that we're going to talk about very shortly well i can't imagine um like during this time period right like they didn't have grinder back then so you couldn't exactly go and hook up with uh with a guy very easily or try to hit on them without you know very they were in very rural areas that didn't have any hidden like like, in New York and Los Angeles and, uh, like, San Francisco, there was, you know, some areas of the city that were dedicated to LGBT lifestyle, you know? And so you could go to, like, these clubs or to these uh, hangouts, and there would be people there who were very interested in the same kind of things you were. But here we have two cowboys who live in very rural middle America, you know, 
they're not they don't have that kind of embrace i mean this is still community. an area that is where the community is like i assume is a lot bigger but like it's still predominantly small and still somewhat closeted like I, again, as somebody who lives in a very small community, like there are only 7,000 people in my town and we have we're lucky that we have an uh, LGBT society. And then there's also um, a, like a an alliance at uh, at the local schools. Right. But like that's a whole nother fucking kettle of fish with where there is a fight with the conservatives over that because. Um, what they want to do is they want to make it so parents have to tell, um, or not parents, the teachers have to tell the parents if a child um, is part of the LGBT uh, co- like alliance oh, at school. That. Oh, girl, you have no idea that like they just voted on it, and that's fucking scary. Okay, we're going into Pride Month right now, and like this is a major topic in Alberta, right? And oh, um, and as we are recording this, this is Monday night. Okay, we we should probably recording this. uh, The U.S. Supreme Court ruled today in a narrow ruling. um, They left out a lot of the casework, but they basically said that uh, the wedding cake baker dude. Um, that was sued by a uh, LGBT couple. I can't remember if it was a gay couple or not. Um, but anyway, a homosexual couple went to him for a wedding cake. He refused on the grounds of religious reasons. And the Supreme Court ruled today that um, because he is an artist, he is not required to commission artistry that he deems is against his religious beliefs. Now, it's not a blanket discrimination thing, but at the same time, it's kind of fucking sucky. Um, As Ruth Bader Ginsburg said in her dissent, I actually have her quote, when a couple contacts the bakery for a wedding cake, the product they are seeking is a cake celebrating their wedding, not a cake celebrating heterosexual weddings or same-sex weddings, and that is the service Craig and Mullins were denied. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that. It was a 7-2 decision. The only people who dissented were Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Sotomayor. Yeah. That's it. So, so yeah, that's, we're what a great start to Pride Month. So, um, kind of to get back into this part, right? Um, so, it's it's been four years, and Jack visits uh, Ennis, and upon the meeting, the two of them kiss passionately, like it is. It is a pretty well, is intense, intense moment. Kissery. That is intense fucking kissing. And um, Alma ends up seeing this and, uh, you know, is very shocked and then closes the door and, like, pretends like she hadn't seen it, sort of. But, like, she knows what the fuck's going on now. Um, so Yeah. And I would say that she and Enos didn't really have that great of a marriage. No, I mean, it's pretty... It's a pretty empty marriage. Like, you can tell he cares about her and he cares about his kids, but he does not love her. And she has never seen that kind of passion that he showed Jack. Like, 
she goes, she's, she walks to the door and she sees her husband showing more attention to a man that she's never met than he's ever really showed to her as far as, like, passion and embrace and love and stuff like that. And uh, Well, that's the thing. She's, she's <laughs> yeah, she's his beard. Yeah. I mean... Well, I, I, I guess she didn't know that she was his beard. So it's no, not really a beard. And it's never great to realize you're being cheated on. No. <laughs> so, um, poor. I, I felt bad for her, but at the same time, I felt bad for Enos for what he was having to hide. So, so I mean, there's, there's a lot I feel bad for. So Jack, you know, brings up the subject again about, like, possibly creating a life together on a small ranch. But, you know, Enos, he... He doesn't want to do that because you know there's a childhood memory that he's had of um the torture and murder of two men suspected of homosexual behavior uh yeah they called it ranched up they were ranched up together oh and his dad took them to the site where one of the men that had been ranched up together had been beaten to death with a tire iron and a rope tied around his penis until it was ripped off and then he was left to die and rot in a ditch. And his dad was happy about it. So here's a nine-year-old witnessing a man who was suspected of being homosexual seeing his dead tortured body in a ditch. This is why Enos is so paranoid about people finding out. This is why he's terrified, you know, of the feelings he has for Jack because well, basically it, it's being lynched. Yeah, exactly. And his words were if this thing grabs a hold of us again and we're in the wrong place at the wrong time, we're dead. Yeah. And it was true. He understood that, which is why it terrified him. And I think that's a reason why he was so aggressive and angry, is because he was forced to keep all of this in. And that kind of shit builds on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's... And he's also unwilling to, you know, abandon his family for Jack. So um, they start, you know, making infrequent uh, fishing trips together over the years. And it just kind of shows a little bit um, about that, you know, uh, over time that um, they're still going and seeing each other every few months. Um, Enos and Alma's relationship basically deteriorates. Yeah, um, they get divorced. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, because she she ends up saying something like, you know, we have to be well, more he, careful. Well, they're having sex, right? And, uh, yeah, she says something about them not being careful. And then he's like, if you don't want any more of my kids, I'll be happy to leave you alone. Yeah. And then she shoots back with, I'd want more if you could support them. Shit. Oof. Yeah. I mean, like, she was a woman that was hurt by a man that she would had fallen in love with and found out that he was having an extramarital affair with a guy. And in a time, in that time period, like, it's super taboo. You know, like, it's even more taboo then than it is now. 
Yeah. And she's having to deal with that. I mean, of course the marriage deteriorated. He was being unfaithful to her, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they they divorced in 1975, which, um, you know, it's been 12 years since they initially met, uh, him and Jack. Um, and then... Uh, what ends up happening is uh, hearing about, you know, Enos's divorce, Jack goes to Wyoming and uh, suggests again, like, they should live together. And, of course, Enos refuses uh, to move away from his children um, because they're his fucking kids. And, you know, you can see throughout the parts of the movie that, you know, he tries to be a good dad as much as he can. Yeah, I think he is a better dad than he was a husband. And yeah. he loves his daughters. That much is clear. He loves them. He might not be the best dad, but he paid their child support and he made sure that the one day the one weekend a month that he had them, he took them. I mean, there's even a scene where he has Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner over at his ex-wife and her new husband's house. You know? Yeah. And things are peaceful until Alma brings up the past. <laughs> yeah, so she, exactly. She finally confronts him. Um, at this point, Jack kind of finds solace in Mexico with male prostitutes. Um, yeah, because he, like, he's definitely more open about his sexuality, and he can't just wait every three to six months for, you know, Enos and he, he, you know, he he struggles with that. Yeah. I will say, though, one of the funniest parts of this whole movie is Jack has had a problem with his father-in-law since they got married. Yeah. And there's this one scene that cracks me up. It's like Thanksgiving dinner, Lorene's made a big ol' spread, the TV's on in the living room, and their son Bobby is sitting there watching the TV not wanting to eat his food. Jack's like, you can watch the game after you finish your food. So he gets up, he turns the TV off. Father-in-law says, do you want your, your boy to be a real man? And walks in there and turns the TV on. Jack says, no. And he goes in there and he turns the TV back off. And then the dad turns the TV back on. Jack finally tells him to sit his fat ass down. This is his house. <laughs> Oh, it was great watching that man be humbled. I'm sorry. He was an asshole. He was an <laughs> asshole. Um, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> that, um, but anyways, so uh, Enos, uh, when Alma finally confronts uh, Enos um, about, you know, the true nature of his relationship with Jack, this results in a violent argument, which, um, you know, causes... Uh, Enos to abandon his connections with Alma and um, yeah, like cut off well, you know ties. Well, like he didn't cut off ties with like his um with his kids, but you know yeah, we never see Alma in the movie again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like it's because she called him Jack Twist should have been Jack Nasty. Yeah, you know, like she's she's been holding on to a lot of hurt. Even though she is now married to someone else and having his baby, like, she, she still, she's still holding on to a lot. Like I said, 
when you hold on to that kind of shit, that shit builds up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, um, so, yeah, he ends up meeting and has a brief romance, though, with uh, a waitress named Cassie. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it kind of shows that a little bit. Um, he's dancing with her at a at a bar. So And um, Jack meets this woman named LaShawn, and I think her husband's name's Rodney. R- Randall. Randall, right. And that was Anna Ferris. Yep, she's, it was. She's, Oh my god, she was so cute and such a little chatterbox. <laughs> um, but apparently her husband was into fishing trips too. Wink wink. Yeah. Yeah, well that's the thing. They um they, you know, become friends, right? Uh and, you know, Randall says like his boss has a remote cabin and they can use it anytime that they want, you know, use it together, go for a nice little fishing trip. Wink, wink. Yeah, so um, it's the end of, like, the regular fishing trip with Jack, and um, Enos, you know, um, tries to delay their next meeting and says, like, instead of August, it has to be uh, November. And Jack gets really upset, and it turns into an argument. Um, And it's, it's actually a really heartbreaking moment. Yeah, like, this whole entire scene, basically, Jack explains that, you know, he can't be without a man in his life. Like, he he tries, and it doesn't work, you know? He even mentions at some point in the movie how he, you know, his his marriage to his wife is so good that they could have a better relationship over the telephone. Like, and he... This is where the line that gets mocked uh, comes up, where he says, you know, I just, I can't quit you. And when he says it, like, it's a heartbreaking moment, and people have turned that heartbreaking moment into, uh, and mocked it. Yeah. And it really pisses me off. Um, And, you know, Jack's dealing with the fact that he can't be without a man, Enos is in constant battle with himself because he wants to be with Jack, but he's also terrified of what happens if people find out. He's suspicious of everyone thinking that maybe he, they, you know, he thinks that everyone looks at him as if they know the truth because he knows Alma knows. Yeah. And he's like, if Alma knows, surely other people do, yeah. you know? And he, he just closes in on himself and he makes excuses, and he says, you know, I can't leave and be with you because I have children. I have responsibility. You know, it used to be that I could quit a job and start another one. I'm too old for that shit, you know? Yeah. And I Well, mean, let's, he, uh, at this point, they're... They're in their 40s. Well, yeah, yeah, about that, right? Um, Yeah, about 40. So this is like a 20-year relationship, and, you know, they're like grown-ass adults right and um anyways what ends up happening is uh there's like a brief struggle and then they end up in like an embrace and then it um they they part ways well it goes it goes into a a moment from like the past where they're both together and he goes off enos goes off on a horse while jack is watching him uh and then it goes to present day where Jack is watching him drive off, right? And um, we find out 
you know, sometime later that this was their last meeting. Um, yeah. Because Enos gets a postcard that he had sent to Jack, and it's... About another fishing trip. Yeah, about another fishing trip in November, the one that they were supposed to go on, and it's stamped deceased. So um, he calls up Lurene, um, who says that Jack had died in an accident when a tire yeah. that he was changing exploded. And, as and the rim hit him and broke his nose. And he fell back and drowned in his own blood. Wow, what an elaborate cover story, Lorraine. Yeah, um, but as she's speaking, Enos imagines that Jack was actually beaten to death by a gang of I don't thugs. think that was an imagination. I think that's what actually happened. But I think, yeah. Because the reason I say that is because of how Lorraine delivers the message. She's furious. She's not grieving. She's angry and embarrassed. Yeah. You can see it. So when she's explaining how Jack died, you can tell that what she is saying is not the full truth. What really happened is he was beaten to death because she talks about how, oh, I know all about your fishing trips. You know, he also had a fishing buddy, uh, you know, that Randall guy was his fishing buddy. Yeah. You know. So she knows. And we don't see Jack die really. We just um, see this imagined one, like death that Enos had always feared could have happened. And I honestly think that's what happened. Um so then she tells, you know, Enos that uh, Jack wanted his um ashes scattered on Brokeback Mountain. Uh, but that she doesn't know where it is, but um, that that was his always, like, his favorite place. Um, and then he tells her that um, Brokeback Mountain is, you know, where they had, you know, initially worked together. And, um, you know, everything kind of clues into her, right? Yeah. And she tells, he says, well, I, I guess, you know, I better go visit his folks. You know, and uh, she's like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Like, she's really bitter. There's an, an angry, um, which me, leads me to believe, like, he died because, like, it was found out what he was actually doing. Um, uh, anyway, Enos goes up to the parents' house. The dad, he's he's angry, too, but the mom is very kind to Enos, you know, offers him coffee, offers him some food, tells him, you know, you can go up to Jack's room. We kept it, you know, the same as when he was a kid. Uh, you know, take anything you want, that kind of thing. And Enos, one of the things that's mentioned earlier in the movie is how he can't believe he lost his shirt, like, on that first initial trip. He's like, man, I can't believe I'll, I left my shirt up there on Brokeback Mountain. Mm -hmm. Um so he goes into Jack's room and he looks around and goes in the closet. And when he opens the closet, he sees a bloody sleeved denim jacket. And underneath the jacket is his shirt stained with his blood. And, um, you know, it's, it's his shirt from all those years ago. And it's Jack's jacket from that fight that they had, um, and he rolls him up, and the mom gives him a bag to put 
the clothing in and, you know, he ends up hanging the jacket and shirt in his closet of his new trailer. His daughter comes and tells him, you know, Daddy, I'm going to get married. And he, he like, he's like, I, I can't miss my baby girl's wedding, you know. And then he, after, after his daughter leaves, he opens the closet door and he looks at the jacket. And it's like he's basically bearing his soul to a person that he's never going to see again. Well, one of the things that he does ask his um, his daughter is if her fiancé really loves her, and um, and she replies yes, which is a bittersweet moment. Yeah, because he never got that happiness yeah. that he really wanted. He wanted to be with Jack, but... Well, because was... one of the things that they mentioned uh, was how, uh, like, the father said that, you know, um, about how... Jack kept saying that he was going to, you know, bring uh, Enos Del Mar to the, to the family, you know, the family house Ranch and fix and it, build it up. and fix it up and that, you know, they were going to build a house together and live together out, you know, out there. Um, and I think his father, like his father was obviously like angry, right? But like, I think his father accepted what his son was. Like he just, there there was nothing he could do. And you know, where the mother definitely accepted what her son was. Yeah, I think the dad knew, but he didn't accept it. Like he wanted to reject the fact that his son was not a straight male while the mother just loved her son unconditionally. Which I mean, you know, you could you could see in how she tenderly she knew who Enos was, you know, and she was, you know, like I understand. Well, she you know, she but, ended up saying like, you know, come back and visit again, right? But of course, he's not going to. No, I mean that was you know <laughs> that's an empty sort of. Yeah. But um, yeah. So at the end, right? Um, there's uh, he's both his and Jack's shirts are hanging there together and then there's a postcard of Brokeback Mountain and um, I'm so sorry. It's like, it's such a sad moment. But then he stares, you know, um, he stares at it, you know, and he says to himself, Jack, I swear. <sighs> yeah. And I mean, Enos Basically, what you infer from the ending is that Enos basically dies a lonely old man. And he he never had the happiness he wanted except when he was with Jack. And even then, he was always terrified that people were going to find out. And now he's racked with guilt because the man that he loved was murdered. Like, Yeah. And he knows that. But they'll never say he was murdered. So, um, I wanted to bring up, uh, the way Jack died, um, you know, he was beaten to death. Like, there were no protections for LGBT people, uh, until after the Matt Shepard Act was passed in the U.S. I don't know about anywhere else, but here in the U.S., there was no protection for uh, people involved in hate crimes. Um, 
Matt Shepard was a college student who was gay and he was beaten and tortured to death and set on fire and he died six days after he was attacked and it wasn't until 2007 that the Mark Shepard Act was passed which was basically um, geared towards ensuring protections of LGBTQA people uh, against hate crimes. 17% um, of hate crimes in the U.S. are due to uh, sexual orientation, and 71% of those hate crimes involve crimes against a person instead of crimes against property. So even though less than a quarter of all hate crimes are about sexual orientation, of that nearly three-quarters of those hate crimes involve assault um, or murder or uh, any number of horrible things like that. Um, and most of the time LGBT people are physically assaulted um, and blamed because they were daring to show public displays of affection. So even though this movie takes place in a time that was very unaccepting of LGBTQA people, it is still very unacceptable um, It's the thing, it's more accepted than it was back then. Like, I mean... But it's what, still a problem. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Heck, this movie was controversial, and it only came out 13 years ago, right? And people were like, gay cowboys, ha ha ha, hilarious, right? And it's like, it just, it pisses me off. Um, I'm trying to, like, get my words straight. Um, I understand. I, I feel that there is still discrimination to this day and there's a lot of um when this movie was taking place like in the later this was the 1980s and like the later scenes right and um what i mean that was the aids crisis yeah what the american government did when it came to the aids crisis it was a f it was a fucking plague it was a plague and they did nothing because no, it ha it was predominantly gay care. men who were dealing with this. So they didn't give a fuck. They didn't they actually didn't give, give a, a fuck. They didn't give a fuck until a kid died from a blood transfusion that involved HIV positive blood. And then there's um, also and then when, you know, um, uh, the fucking president, Ronald Reagan's uh, friend died. Uh, Rock Hudson. Yeah. It, it, it only matters when it happens to them. Like, that's... Like, I mean, overwhelmingly, the conservatives I know in my life, it's not a problem until it happens to you. It's not acceptable until it happens to you. For example, John McCain. Uh, he was very anti-LGBT until his daughter um, announced that she was a lesbian. And suddenly he's all for it. 
Yeah. I mean, it was not until Barack Obama was in office and endorsed... I mean, he didn't even endorse gay marriage in 2008 when he first ran for president. And either did um, Hillary Clinton. And either did Hillary Clinton. Okay? Honestly. That was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, the fact that Hillary Clinton didn't endorse that 10 fucking years ago is a fucking joke. Okay? And I will say this because I live in Canada. Okay? And gay marriage became legal in Canada in 2005. 2005. Okay? That's when this movie came out and this was a huge controversy. It was Ireland. Of course I'm going to say that it was a controversy in Canada at the time, <laughs> but we've just become so accepting of it at this point because it's been 13 years, okay? And they're going to get yeah. married and that's fine. Love is love is love is love. Yeah. I mean, Ireland passed LGBT, uh, like, they allowed for equal marriage rights for gay couples before the U.S. did. The only one who hasn't is Australia, so... And which it wasn't is shocking. Until, which, uh, I'm sorry, but Australia's, like... <laughs> they have their nah, own Australia shit. Australia is, like, actually really conservative. <laughs> it's surprisingly... You would think a bunch of criminals would be a little bit more lenient, especially with their fun especially with their history. Yo, we've listened to the dollop. So much gay sex. So much criminality. Well and cannibalism. Yeah. Their history is um, like actually really yeah. interesting. Like Canadian history can be interesting, but like we don't have cannibals like out in Canada. <laughs> like, Australian we don't have those fucking is, stories. Like, the best. I love dollops when they go to Australia. Same. They're the best ones. <laughs> They're like my favorite. Um, yeah. Um, free advertising. I would totally uh, recommend the Animal Massacre episode. You bitch. <laughs> that fucking that fucking episode. You know what? It's the most fucked up one about Australia, but it was the best one about Australia. You fucking monster. That's the thing about the dollop. The more fucked up, the better it is. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're gonna get back on point. I actually want to introduce. Uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of tests. You know, we have our Bechdel, our Rachel Bechdel, our Duvernay, oh, our sexy. I, lamp, I do want to say something about the. I do want to say something about this movie before you get into the tests. Okay. Okay. It was filmed in Canada. It was filmed in southern Alberta. Entire, like almost the entirety was filmed in the Canadian Rockies. So, it says it was in Wyoming, but it wasn't. That was Canada. Okay. All of it. <laughs> You're like, I gotta toot my own horn on that. I have to, okay? Alberta's a really conservative area, too. Like, fuck, it's super conservative out here, but, like, I don't know how to say this. Like, like I said, the little town that I live in is only 7,000 people in northern Alberta, right? But we mm -hmm. still have a gay pride society, and we've had for, like, I think the last seven or eight years... And um, I'm actually part of the um, the Pride Society. I volunteer with it. And I'm going to be performing for the first time ever as a bio queen um, during our drag night. 
And I'm very excited and very nervous because I've never performed (laughs) as a bio queen. You're going to rock it. (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to have a drag queen and a drag king as well. And then I'm like the third person. So, (laughs) yeah. If you want to send us money for my dress, that would be really great. I'm just kidding. You can look us up. We actually do have a Patreon. Yeah, all the money goes to my amazing uh, drag dress. You look up the feminist critique on Patreon, and we will be there. And you can, you know, just send us money because I need equipment. (laughs) It's true. Um, No, if you don't want to, like, you don't actually have to. We just kind of say this as, like, it would be nice if... You know, yeah. Gracie got a little bit of money to get the proper equipment. Um, Please but you do don't... not feel obligated to exactly. send money. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same when it comes to, like, reviews and stuff. Like, you're not obligated to give us five-star reviews. It's nice. God. It would be really nice if we got a review in general to, you know, maybe give us some pointers. Uh, tell us how much you love us or even how much you hate us. Like, I don't care, man. I just want a review. That's not Gracie writing it to make me happy. (laughs) Bitch, I know you. I wouldn't do that. Um, It did with the last one. As a podcast, unless you review us. Um, The thing about Amazon algorithms is, you know, if, or not Amazon, iTunes algorithms is if you get five stars, you get, you know, better rating on the app and you'll be featured. Um, I'm not worried about being featured. (laughs) I, I would just like some honest feedback. Uh, so we can work to improve our shows. Also, if you could forgive us for our wild tangents, that'd be great. Just par for the fucking course on here. Well, you know what? Like, <laughs> even though we go on like our weird tangents and you know go off topic and stuff, we do have a set, like, we have a set structure. So that's like not too bad. No. Right. So it's not like. It's not like last podcast on the left where it takes me an episode to realize, oh, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I love that podcast, but sometimes it's just a disorganized mess. (laughs) Um, Uh, Okay, okay. so So, the tests. Right. Okay, usually we just have our typical five. uh, Bechdel, Rachel Bechdel, DuVernay, McElmory. And sexy lamp. We haven't really had to apply the Furiosa test, so I've kind of taken it off because they're not applicable. Um, I actually want to introduce a new test that was created in 2013 by the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, uh, which is GLAD. Um, it's called the Vito Russo test. The now the Vito Russo test was actually named after Vito Vito Russo who was an LGBT rights activist who helped found GLAD, um, and he was very prominent about how uh, gay people were portrayed in the media, LGBT people were portrayed in the media, and how he wanted to change the perception. Yeah. Unfortunately, he died of AIDS complications at the age of eight, uh, 44 in 1990. Um so, but the Vito Russo test is a character that is LGBTQA plus, um, and that character is not defined solely on their queer identity, and they are critical to the plot. In other words, 
they matter. Which doesn't exactly happen too often. No, I actually have statistics. <laughs> well, not real statistics, but, like, it was very minuscule. I think only, like, nine movies passed the first year. Uh-huh. Um, and when it comes from, since they started doing this in 2013, overwhelmingly, 77% of LGBT representation is white male homosexual. <laughs> uh, not surprising. Um very very little transgender representation uh in order you're more likely to find uh gay men first lesbian second bi uh bisexual third um and then transsexual uh asexual asexual like i don't i don't think i actually have a film where there were people that were asexual. Well, that's because, Unless, well, like, recently they I, said that a particular character was supposed to be asexual um, in uh, Riverdale, which is uh, Jughead, and he's not asexual. No he's, he he's is not, not asexual. asexual. <laughs> like, he no, definitely no, no, no. is in the comics because all he cares about is food, right? Which, right. like, I get it. Food is amazing, but, like, yeah, they fucked it up for Riverdale because they had to make Archie fucking sexy. Although Archie is the worst character. Fuck Archie. Dude, I feel so bad that I think he's hot because he's like 18, 19. I don't think he's that. <laughs> he's literally like 19 or 20. Are you sure? And I I'm... think he's like 20. Yes! He's oh. 20 now, but he was he was 19 in the first season when I started watching I... it. I was like, holy Fuck! No 19-year-old I knew looked like that. <laughs> yeah, but that's because, you know, makeup. Right. Um, you know what's so funny, though? He would have made the perfect Edward for Twilight. Oh, my God. He kind of would have. Because Edward in the books is a, like, dark redhead, right? Oh, my God. You're right. Fucking hell. He was just 10 years too late to that train. He was still a baby. Yeah. Uh, I quit. Uh, Twilight's toxic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, we are going to implement the Vito Russo test, and it passes because we have two characters who are not straight. Um, they are not defined solely on the fact that they are not straight, and they are the entire plot of the movie, so they... They, uh, they, they hit all of the criteria. Now, uh, when it comes to the other tests, uh, Bechdel test, two named female characters having a conversation about someone other than a male character, this does not pass. Um, because the only time two named female characters have a conversation on screen alone together is when the waitress Cass Cassie and Alma Jr., are having mm. a conversation, but the conversation is about Enos. Yeah. Um, so that fails. Uh, racial Bechdel test is when two people of color or minority oh, characters... Oh, let me guess this one. Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, it let fails me, because I, there's I, only white people in this movie? Can I Can I finish what okay. the racial Bechdel test is? Oops, sorry. I, I, <laughs> um, I said my white girl opinions. Racial Bechdel test... <laughs> 
is when two people of color have a conversation on screen alone together about something other than a white person and they have names. Aisling, take a guess. It failed. It failed. Uh, Macklemore test. A female, a named female character who may not be the main character who has a character arc that is not based on furthering a man's character arc. Technical pass because uh, Alma Jr.'s character arc is not about furthering her dad's. Yeah. And she basically, it's like she grows up. Um, you know, and it's not about furthering her dad's plot line. She, like, in the background, she discovers herself. You know, she gets, she, you know, gets married. She she gets engaged and stuff like that. So, like, she has a coming of age with the, within this movie, you know. So. I think she kind of knew, too. Yeah, I think she knew about her dad. And she was very accepting. She actually wanted to stay with him. She did not like her stepfather. Um, you know. Yeah. So, but Enos was like, you can't, baby. Like, it's just not going to work out. And he had a point. <laughs> but, you know. Well, I mean, he... He only lived... He like... also... <clears throat> Pardon? No, you go ahead. Oh, well, like, I mean, he lived kind of, um... Like a life where he was kind of all over the place. Which, you know, it doesn't really... It's not really stable for somebody, right? Yeah. But she loved her dad. You could tell. Yeah. Um, Duvernay test is uh, people of color who may not be main characters having character arcs that have nothing to do with furthering a white character's storyline. Um, it failed. It failed. Uh, the sexy lamp test Replacing a named female character with a sexy lamp and it not uh, taking Excuse away me. from the plot. I'm sorry, Anna Ferris. <laughs> yeah. And Cassie the waitress. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of you were really necessary. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, if we were to do a uh regular regularly um it was a complete and utter epic fail uh but with the inclusion of the new test uh it passes one out of six yeah now we have to ask the most important question is this movie good yes yes it was good it was fucking good it was fantastic it was heart-wrenching it was it's a fucking good movie. And it should have won Best Picture, okay? Yeah. I am bitter for life. It, it, oh, God. The fucking... I put in my notes, Crash 1 over Brokeback Mountain. It's a fucking travesty. Yeah. An actual <laughs> travesty. Uh, now, I'm going to end on some high notes. Uh, just, just some random trivia. Um, so, Ben Affleck... Colin Farrell, Josh Hartnett, and Matt Damon were all considered for the roles of Enos and Jack. And now I want to imagine a Colin Farrell Jack. Colin Farrell. Is that good Um, or bad? 
God. Like, I don't understand what it is about Colin Farrell. Like, it's like Gerard Butler for me. Like, they've made one good movie. Yeah, but he's, like, (laughs) he's really hot. (laughs) He was really hot in Fright Night. Like, that's a terrible horror movie. But I had such a crush on him. What was that I movie mean, that I saw him like in a movie? I want to say like the early, the early two thousands or something. Like mm-hmm. oh, I'm trying to re- imagine what movie was it. I don't know, but he did a Winter's Tale. Oh my god, with Jessica Brown Findlay, and I was like, Jessica, what are you doing? You left Downton Abbey for this? Is that why she left Downton Abbey? She wanted a movie career, and now she did. Uh, now she's on a TV show for Hulu called Harlots, where she plays a prostitute oh. or a kept woman. Yeah, that's a far and away from what she was on Downton Abbey. That's for damn sure. Yeah, but she's still into period pieces. I don't think I've seen her in a modern dress. <laughs> well, I mean, she, that's like she's kind of in tight cast. Like she definitely is a. Uh... It's kind of her deal. Hey, man. It's kind of like Jonathan Reese Myers. I've only seen him in like three things where he was not wearing a tunic. <laughs> oh, uh, Colin F- uh, Farrell was also in uh, Horrible Bosses, but like he played a really. He played that. Oh, my God. Bag. That's right. He played the shitty son of a boss who was really nice and like he did cocaine and shit. Yeah, and he had like. Um... He had, like, no hair on top or whatever. Like, he played... No. He looked really fucking ugly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Ben Affleck of Batman versus Superman and Jiggly was concerned for this movie. <laughs> so, so was Matt Damon. <laughs> I could not have taken this movie seriously. I am so glad they didn't cast them. Oh my god, can you imagine oh, okay, well, like, and that Damon centered film? Because they tried to, uh, Gus Van Saint uh, tried to make this movie, hoping to cast Matt Damon as Enos and, um, uh, fuck, what's his name? Something Phoenix. River? No, River Phoenix was dead. His I brother. Don't know the only phoenix that i knew i don't know when they decided to make this movie i don't know how old the short story no is. it's not river phoenix it's like his brother um he's got the weird name that i can't say because it starts with a j but it's like it's something else he was in gladiator well, oh well to be fair matt damon is a good drama actor yeah I'll but anyways so yeah he was supposed to be um, he was supposed to be Jack, but I guess D- Matt Damon had, uh, had worked with him with Goodwill Hunting and he was like, Gus, I did a gay movie, which was talented Mr. Ripley. And then I did a cowboy movie, All the Pretty Horses. I can't follow it up with a gay cowboy movie. Ah, oh, fuck them. Yeah. Dude. Mark Wahlberg said there was too much sex in this movie. Mark fucking Wahlberg, who did a movie called Boogie Nights <laughs> about the porn industry. Well, that's the thing, though. 
Mark Wahlberg says <laughs> that uh, there was too much sex because there was too much gay sex in the movie. What he? Oh, fuck him. Yeah, because like the idea that there being more than just like one kissing scene in this movie is, um, you know, to most he men kind of dude guy bros is like, oh, that's fucking gross. I don't want to watch a gay cowboy movie. What the fuck? Like that's the yeah, sort of I... shit my dad would say. My dad, like, yeah, I. Yeah, my dad. Well, my dad used to make fun of this movie all the time, despite not seeing it. And don't get me wrong. I love my dad. And like, he's actually been pretty he's like more supportive than my mom um, when it comes to me being uh, bisexual. But like he has a little bit of complicated relationship because he will like make really bad jokes. But then like, I also know that he's not um, actually homophobic. And that is because. Uh, there was a time where me and him were, he used to drive me to work before I got a car and we were driving, uh, down the road and, um, there was a, there was this adorable fucking couple. They were, uh, it was a lesbian couple and they were just like, they, they were just kind of standing together and they were like kind of kissing and it was just like, it wasn't like PTA, PDA or whatever, but it was just like, you know, a kiss on the cheek and just like, you know, being fucking adorable, right? And he like, he he like points that out or whatever, right? And he's like, see that? And I was like, I thought I was like, I thought he was going to say something absolutely fucking awful. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's love. That's just love. And I was like blown. I was blown away because my dad makes stupid fucking like shitty jokes all the time. But like, here's this moment where he was just like, he understood that love is love is love is love and i was like oh my fucking god that's yeah, amazing I don't, I don't i don't have that <laughs> my mom thinks this movie is disgusting i'm sorry well i mean it's not your fault <laughs> um i i do think i am going to end this episode on a happy note though uh there was a viral video this week and it was about these two women, and the first woman got down on her knees and proposed to her girlfriend, and it turns out that her girlfriend also had a ring and was going to propose to her. Later that night. It was fucking adorable. I actually oh shared God. that on the uh, on my, uh, my radio station's uh, like Facebook page because I thought it was so fucking adorable, and I was like... That is love. That is just fucking pure love. And anybody who's against like just love, like what is wrong with you? Like what? what who yourself? hurt? Well, no. Like who hurt you in your life that you have to be against love? Because I mean, love is just the most pure, beautiful thing in this world. And when two people love each other, there is nothing better. Yeah. And the issue is, is like even now. Kids who come out to their parents can be sent to conversion therapy camps. You know, like, that shit is still happening. Like, Mike fucking Pence supports gay conversion therapy. He's the vice president of the United States. He supports young people or people in general being tortured 
until they become straight. What the fuck? What the actual fuck, you guys? Yeah. And with today's SCOTUS ruling, it's just, just it's disheartening. But we still just have to keep pressing on because eventually progress wins out. The thing is, it is a fight. It is a fight uphill. And there's there's and the boulder's gonna roll down a few times before you can get it over the hump. Mm -hmm. But with our new generation, like not my generation, not the millennials, but the next generation, the the Gen Zs. They're they, even more accepting than we are. They are going to be the ones who actually change it. So when I hear stories of like, you know, older generations shitting on the Gen Zs or the millennials and stuff, it does make me upset because because the Gen Zs are going to change it. And yeah, we don't quite understand what they're into or whatever, but... They are more accepting and they are more fluid and they, um, they're going to change their vocabulary. That's the thing. They will change their vocabulary to suit, um, all of the changes that we're, that is going on with the LGBT, uh, and I can can tell you why community. I can tell you why it's because of the internet that, we've seen such a radical step in progress over the last 15 years because people have been exposed to things that they were not exposed to before. It is because of the internet that I became best friends with Aisling and became a feminist and realized that I was not conservative. (laughs) You know, once I had my worldview opened up to me. So, I mean... It's an uphill battle, and like I said, the the boulder is going to roll over you a couple of times before you can reach the top. But we are going to win this, because we are determined. And one day, there will not be bigotry like there is now. And, you know, we've we fought. We're halfway there. we we got to get a little bit further, you know? We just have to keep fighting the good fight and realize that love is love is love is love. And love is the most beautiful thing that um, is in the world. And love does triumph over hatred. And that's where I want to end that. Yep. So um, some of our links and uh, the stuff where you can find us. Yeah, um, feminist. If you look up the feminist critique podcast on Facebook, <coughs> sorry, uh, that's our Facebook page. Uh, you can also contact me on Twitter at South of Grace. We have a Gmail, which is the feminist critique podcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon. Just look up the feminist critique uh, if you want to. You know donate you don't have to you don't be have nice. to you are under no obligation well to exactly give us anything yeah <laughs> please do not feel pressured no uh um we also have a twitter account i just kind right. of um we don't have any followers at this point but i just kind of update it especially if uh, we're going to be late that week um as uh you guys don't really know this but um i'm dealing with some health issues um 
my lupus uh, nephritis is back and uh, it's just a minor flare-up but it's still um, it's still affecting my life right now so I had to um, I've had to make some changes so this uh, this podcast is still going to be every single week but um, I just thought to make you guys aware that uh, it might be late some weeks uh, because I'm just fucking tired it's gonna be up on Tuesday yeah because I'm fucking tired I'm just tired all the time. Um, but it's, also, it's okay. but yeah, so I just kind of post there if there's uh, any changes or anything that, um, you know, anything like that. Um, you can feel free to ask me questions there. I'll answer them. Uh, we also have our, well, no, I've got stuff. I've got my uh, Instagram uh, and my Twitter, which is Ajleens, A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. And, um, yeah, that's the name on both of them. Um, and, um, there's like one more thing. I can't remember what it is. No, I think that's it. Oh, well. Yeah. Your cakes FM? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, if you guys and, do uh, want to listen. Yeah. So if you guys <laughs> do want to listen to me, uh, on my regular day job, it's, uh, kicks.fm. I'm on mountain time, um, from 10 until 2 pretty much every day five well five days a week right not on the weekends um but yeah you can just like listen to me um because i'm cool and shit uh and then also uh all of my opinions that i've you know said here which i have very strong opinions they have nothing to do with my work uh they are just they are my own opinions my work has their own opinions and um that's just you know kind of a separate thing there's a little divider there yeah. But like they're cool with me doing this podcast. At least my boss is. So I don't <laughs> think he's listened to to it though. So So what are we doing next week? Um <laughs> I don't I don't actually know. Fuck, I don't know either. Uh Well, like I'm trying I'm... to get Gracie. Okay. So some of the movies that Gracie has lined up aren't exactly happy movies. Like they're very. I know it is and really that's hard why, to find. No, it. there is some, and like, I just thought of one that I saw back in, like the early two thousands that I really think we should do, and that one is called uh, Mambo Italiano, and it's uh, it's a Canadian film, uh, based out of Montreal, and it's about, um, two gay guys in an Italian family. It's kind of like my big fat Greek wedding, but like gay and italian Mm. girl it's a good movie i don't think we're doing that one next (sighs) week though no not next Uh, week but like during maybe i think we should do saving grace i really wanted to do something where we kind of focus on something other than just gay men (laughs) well because we're doing saving face and then we're also doing um I think boys, boys don't, don't cry, cry. Uh, which is gonna be oh another tearjerker. Um, but I also kind of want to <sighs> do one more happy movie. That not happy movie, but like just something that's actually kind of funny and not like two gay guys die at the end, which happens quite often when it comes to LGBTQ movies. Like, there's always some fucking tragic shit at the end, and it's like, okay, can we have some like happy fucking endings because that Part would be kind of me wants nice. to do that Simon movie. 
Yeah. But we don't have time this year. It might have to wait till next year. But it's a happy movie. Yeah, which is good. <laughs> it's based off of a uh, book, too. I hear it's really good. I think it's uh, called the um, Simon and the Heterosexual Agenda. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. All right. So we will see you guys next week. Please don't be mad that we don't know what we're doing. So we'll figure it out. When you see the title pop up, you can watch the movie before you listen. <laughs> or, you know, it might be on my Twitter or something. Yeah. You never know. Um, but yeah, we will see you guys next week. I hope you have a good one and happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.